that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to lowerthefriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's lowerthefriction.com. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn livestream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. For those of you who are watching in video, I don't feel like being on camera today, so I'm just using my logo along with everyone else. So, before we get started, I wanted to make a quick mention about Lower the Friction. Uh, I was having a nice chat with our friend Randy from Houston the other day, and uh, he wants to get some other test subjects to talk about all of this. So we're going to get everybody here uh, on the call with me, hopefully, if they want to do it, uh, a bottle of the stuff as well. And we'll take it from there. We'll, we'll see what kind of... I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> Must be a peach of a hand. <laughs> <laughs> if I did not think you were my friend, I do not think I could bear it. <laughs> One of my favorite lines. Oh, what a great movie. So, uh, no, I did shower today. Uh, I just... Um, 
I just don't feel like being on camera today. I didn't really brush my hair, and I'm wearing a bathrobe, and I'm relaxing, and I just don't feel like being on camera. So I'm in a bathrobe too. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, the other problem is I'm probably going to be taking things on and off because uh, it's getting cold real quick here, and I don't know. Whatever. I just didn't feel like being on camera today. So scare you hippies. So anyway, we're, we're going to see what kind of results we get with the uh, with the product. And I'm excited. Any of you guys' vehicles, and we'll we'll just uh, we'll just take it from there. Anyway, let's pull up these documents. So today we're going to talk about the Great Reset. And if anybody hasn't heard this being touted for months now, this is literally the concept of the New World Order that Alex Jones and so many other truther types, uh, for better or for worse, have been using that term for goodness knows how long, decades now, I would assume. Uh, that's all this is. This is just New World Order with another term. They're taking a very, very old pig that is very dirty and dusty and is a pain in the ass and never wants to listen and putting new lipstick on it. And that's it. That's all this is. This is They're using the beer bug as an excuse for consolidation of power uh, and, you know, uh, on a worldwide a scale. From a marketing perspective, just consider the idea, again, that um, the uh, worldwide adoption of this term by all the stakeholders, uh, the Great Reset, and I, I have already seen at least 24 books um, that have been uh, that are now in publication in print, uh, with that as the title, The Great Reset. Um, the, again, from a marketing standpoint, to get that many people on board would have taken at least 24 months of work um, prior, uh, and to do logos that sort of stuff. So, uh, impossible. In other words, um, <laughs> are you knowledge? saying this was planned? Indeed. Wait, what? <laughs> Never would have guessed. I know, right? So what's great about all this is they – the Great Reset has a whole bunch of these really entertaining key players that are literally like James Bond villains. The, the first the, – the, like the, just – I was looking at all these people and they just – you know, the, this one guy just sounds like he's a Nazi that never died. He's just still kicking around. He's got like the thick accent and he, and he has the, the threatening demeanor and everything. It's it's oh, too he's funny. He's got the, outs, the outfit. Yeah. I mean, it, really, it is funny that uh, <laughs> these people, man. But anyway, I'm going to start with this article to lead in before we get to the actual Great Reset document. And it's called, We Must Move On from Neoliberalism in the Post-Beerbug Era. Okay. The beer bug has shaken the world in ways not seen since the world wars, affecting all aspects of human life. For the sustainable development of the planet, it's vital our recovery prioritizes new, greener ways to do business. The Great Reset offers an opportunity to reevaluate sacred cows of the pre-pandemic system, but also defend long-held values. No event since World War II's end has had as profound a global impact as the beer bug. The pandemic has triggered a public health and economic crisis on a scale unseen in generations and has exacerbated systematic problems such as inequality and great power posturing. Okay, so we could probably start right there. The only reason that anybody's having any kind of an economic crisis is a bunch of freaking dipshits decided to shut things down completely and utterly unnecessarily. Anyone else want to comment on that before I go on? Yeah, well, they, it's, it's really kind of insidious what they've done here. They've, they've purposely crashed this economy just so that they could initiate this whole great reset kind of idea. So there's a lot of pre-planning has gone into this. Make no mistake about that. Uh, it could be seen 
just from like what Baldini said earlier, you know, he's seen no less than like 24 books using the same terms and stuff. This great reset idea, this has been going on for a long time now. And, uh, you know, this, uh, new world order will, uh, you know, <laughs> be finding its way into the mainstream vernacular once again, uh, I'm sure. But, uh, they're, they're, like you said, Jason, they're just putting new lipstick on the pig, but it's digital lipstick this time. So <laughs> it's a little bit different than, than previous iterations of it, but, uh, so it's still, on TikTok. It's this time. the same basic concept. Yep. Yeah. I it, just, it, I just dropped TikTok pig. Right. I just dropped uh, into chat uh, a link to the World Economic Forum, uh, Agenda 2020, if you'll notice that. Uh, and it is uh, part of that Agenda 2020 is now is the time for a great reset. Uh, and that article is very enlightening and it very clearly says it is a, an agenda, uh, the Great Reset Agenda. Uh, and very clearly uh, says that uh, they're very pleased that people are willing to sacrifice their freedoms. Uh, they've overwhelmingly shown a willingness to make sacrifices um, the level of cooperation and, and ambition this implies is unprecedented, and they say uh, very specifically this requires stronger and more effective governments. Uh, so, and what they're and they're yeah. demanding, they're demanding private sector engagement. So, uh, they're being very open uh, about what their intentions are. If you're willing to look, I pulled my mic down. By the way, if it's still too loud, let me know, chat room. All right, continuing on. At the same time, the world also must remain focused on the defining issues of the pre-pandemic era. The fourth industrial revolution, and take note of that term because they're going to use it a lot, and yep. the di digitization of countless economic activities. Recent technological advances have given us the tools that we need to confront the current crisis, including the rapid development of vaccines, new treatments, and personal protective equipment. We will need to continue to invest in research and development, education and innovation, while at the same time, building protections against those who would misuse technology. But other shibboleths of our global economic system will need to be reevaluated with an open mind. Chief among these is the neoliberal ideology. Free market fundamentalism has, en has eroded worker rights and economic security, triggered a deregulatory race to the bottom and ruinous tax competition, and enabled the emergence of massive new global monopolies. Trade, taxation, and competition rules that reflect decades of neoliberal influence will now have to be revised. Otherwise, the ide ideological pendulum, already in motion, could swing back toward full-scale protectionism and other lose-lose economic strategies. Specifically, we will need to reconsider our collective commitment to capitalism, in quotes, as we have known it. Obviously, we should not do away with the basic engines of growth. We owe most of the social progress of the past to entrepreneurship and to the capacity to create wealth by taking risks and pursuing innovative new business models. We need markets to allocate resources and the production of goods and services efficiently, particularly when it comes to confronting problems like climate change. Well, we got to get that horse shit in there, don't we? But we must th rethink what we mean by capital in its many iterations, whether financial, environmental, social, or human. Today's consumers do not want more and better goods and services for a reasonable price. Rather, they increasingly expect companies to contribute to social welfare and the common good. There is both a fundamental need and an increasingly widespread demand for a new kind of capitalism. Okay, I call complete and utter bullshit right there. People do want better goods for a reasonable price. Well, they you and all of your bullshit Hollywood nonsense is pushing the idea of all they of this social horseshit. 
they did a presto changer there because they're talking about neoliberalism, which is just a riff on neoconservatism, which we first saw under Bush, the junior. Um, but free market was always a right wing idea. So they've done a presto changeo there. Now it's a neo neoliberal, whatever the hell that means. Ta-da! It's the great magic trick, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> change around the, the it's literally a 180. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. so continuing on. Just like everything else they do. By the way, is the sound okay? I, I see people saying people sound differently, but I haven't changed anything really other than my fader. I moved down a little bit because someone said I was too loud. I could bump it back up a bit. Oh, my fader's going. Your fader is going, but you got to stay up. <laughs> you have to stay up because... Until midnight. Because the midnight launch. All right, continuing on with this. To reconsider capitalism, we must reconsider the role of corporations. An early exponent of neoliberalism, the Nobel laureate economist Milton Friedman, believed, quoting former U.S. President Calvin Coolidge, that the business of business is business. But when Friedman pioneered the doctrine of shareholder primacy, he did not consider that a publicly traded company might be not just a commercial entity, but also a social organism. Moreover, the COVID crisis has demonstrated that companies that invested in strengthening their long-term vitality have been better equipped to weather the storm. In fact, the pandemic hasn't hastened the shift toward a stakeholder model of corporate capitalism following the U.S. Business Roundtable's embrace of this concept last year. But for more socially and environmentally conscious business practices to stick, companies need clearer guidelines. To meet that need, the World Economic Forum's International Business Council has developed a set of stakeholder capitalism metrics so that businesses can get on the same page <clears throat> when it comes to assessing value and risks. If the beer bug crisis has shown us anything, it is that governments businesses, or civil society groups acting alone cannot meet systematic global challenges. We need to break down the silos that keep these domains separate and start to build institutional platforms for public-private cooperation. Uh, excuse me, cooperation. Equally important, younger generations must be involved in this process because it is inherently about the long-term future. Finally, we must expand our effort to recognize the diversity of backgrounds. Diversity is another term they're going to throw out a whole lot. Backgrounds, opinions, and values among citizens at all levels. We each have our individual identities, but we all belong to local, professional, national, and even global communities with shared interests and intertwined destinies. The Great Reset should seek to lend a voice to those who have been left behind so that everyone who is willing to co-shape the future can do so. The reset that we need is not a revolution or a shift to some new ideology. Rather, it should be seen as a pragmatic step toward a more resilient, cohesive, and sustainable world. Some of the pillars of the global system will need to be replaced and others repaired or strengthened. To achieve shared progress, prosperity, and health requires nothing more or less. And let me just add in that we shall have our new world order, whether you like it or not. Yeah, and I'm calling poppycock on all of that because basically, all right, let's, let's look at the, you know, these eggheads that are, are actually writing this article right here, okay? 
the business of business is business. Well, thank you for that, there, Einstein. Genius. Uh, yeah, I mean, these these are the uh, the people that that are actually like quarterbacking this this whole great reset, and all it is is it's a rehashing of the same old new world order philosophy and ideation. So, this is what is going on. These people, they they've somehow figured themselves the leaders of the free world somehow nobody elected these people or nobody asked them you know hey could you guys like come up with a plan to save us from this or something um nobody asked these people that nobody appointed these people nobody elected these people uh why do they think that they have the capacity to speak for us the the vast masses of the people they well, don't you, you know but why it's their hubris yeah. That their their paychecks signed by a Rothschild or a Rockefeller. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been raised uh, to to believe this, and that's part of their uh, secret society uh, nomenclature that uh, only a few uh, have what it takes to run the world, and that would be them. Uh, so they yes, they have a, a great deal of hu- hubris I- indeed. They they use the old uh, World War II model where they control so much media now they just make some crap up. And they say it endlessly until that crap sticks and it becomes the new way of things. And that's what this article is. They're just making crap up and they're going to echo it in the echo chamber until it's just here every day. Well, let's put it this way. If you have capitalism and you don't have an indentured servitude to the international banks, you have massive prosperity. But no, we can't have that. Yeah, in fact, I'll just drop into the into the chat um, right now. Uh, what uh, just what Crow said, this the stuff they just made up. Uh, I just dropped in there as a corporate um, gibberish generator, uh, and most of these think pieces sound as though they could have been generated fr- from that immediately. I mean, you can just uh, draw, you know, play with that uh, yourself. Click on it, and it'll just generate uh, a whole wad of uh, corporate speak. It's all nonsense, and uh, most of these things, w- with the um, exception of a few keywords like robust, <laughs> anti-fragile, <laughs> underbanked, um, uh, that seem to be kind of keywords. Uh, for them, uh, most of this stuff is uh, could have just—it's literally just corporate jargon. It's just nonsense. Uh, I and- bet you, I bet you they have a similar tool for uh, you know scientific research papers and peer oh, sure journal stuff. <laughs> I'm sure of it. That's the AI driven, right? And so this is uh, again. That I, I just I've been looking at uh, on several of these things, and uh, I noticed uh, some of the uh, writing style seemed to be similar. And so I started playing around with it and found out that uh, sure enough, it, it does very closely approximate some of these AI generated uh, things, at least in terms of these think pieces that we've been going through. Um, so it's pretty interesting. And I also dropped. I don't know if you can share that, Jason. Um, the logo to the World Economic Forum, which is uh, very thinly veiled in its symbology just in their logo they they again they're they're so just brazen it, it is um it's pretty remarkable how they're just sticking it out there no more just peeking uh, opening the kimono a little bit they they're they're um they're streaking <laughs> <laughs> well they see did if say I the word silo anytime you hear the word silo you already know you're listening to poppycock right exactly you know, and tell me what that means please are we on a farm if we're on a farm i know what it means didn't Elon Musk just launch some of those up into space too? Yeah, sports <laughs> <Right>. silos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Full of porn. All right, let me get their logo. I'm gonna World Economic Forum. All right. Yeah, so... I dropped it in the chat if you need it. Oh, I just downloaded one. I, oh, okay, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. you had a link already. 
All right, so let me let me do this. Boop boop doop doo. Brown chicken, brown cow. That too. <laughs> oh man. So, but well, so yeah. There you go, well, everybody. I'll just leave that on the screen for a few seconds. That's their logo. Anybody want to take a shot at breaking that down, or do you want to get to the document? I think. I mean, you guys can take a crap. I've already. You know, I think. Well, it's got some lovely Saturns on there right off the bat. It does. A, right a six, off a the six, bat, and a six right there. There um, you go. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Ta-da, there it is. It, it's not, <laughs> again, it's it's pretty thinly veiled. They didn't try really hard to hide it. Uh, even well, the Disney sixes are harder to see than, than is this one. Yeah, right? All right. So. It's also, is that really it with the faded words in the back there, Baldini? Yeah. So they're going to loop it through the three zeros? Yes, yes. With a little smile at the bottom? With a little so smile proud. at the bottom, yes. Yes. Okay. It's a clown show. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't, it couldn't get more clown show uh, if you tried. It is uh, again, it's so brazen. Oh, and by the way, there's 333 watching now in the uh, on YouTube. So Illuminati confirmed. Hey, who's putting out the shill checks this week? By the way, I didn't get mine. Yeah, what's, what's up with sh- that? Crow, or, is, is it your turn to put out the show checks? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That's those checks that we get from the government because we're all shills and we're, oh, we're right. all making up. Oh, I don't I even know. Checking I, for shills. See, that's how that's how lame I am. No, my, all my show checks are just stacking up in a drawer. I must have at least a million dollars worth by now. <laughs> yeah. Well, Careful. why are you getting them and I'm not? He's Maybe with he's the leftover cocaine. That's how I got paid. I had to turn you in as a shill. <laughs> oh man, oh dude, this again. Uh, I I just recommend for everybody just take a look at uh, at the. I'll drop it again. Uh, the link to the World Economic Forum um, and uh, their article, and you can kind of follow along with that. Did you also drop the link to the this document as well? Yeah, I did it earlier. Okay. I can certainly do so again. Yeah, be, it's well worth your time. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Eric. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Eric's on top of it, man. There's a Roman date in there, it looks like, Baldini. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot encoded in this symbol, but that, that could be a show for a whole other day, honestly. Yeah, I even uh, saw, um, you know, uh, Dominum uh, in there. If you look at the right side of it. Um, you know, you get uh, you get loud, right? You, you can do a lot of stuff um, with with that, and I, yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, to dominate, right? It's right right on top there. And um, then would be two thousand, right? So then, then it just becomes a matter of LD or DL. It's D five hundred. Is that right? That's right. But also the IC get um, what's the C? That, so it's B twenty twenty one, right? Um, let's see. And what's the C? I so C would be a hundred. Yeah, you would need two X's to make a twenty in there. Well, that would be t- the IC would be uh, twenty nineteen, then. <laughs> right? Yeah. You could, <laughs> just you could. Well, it's not. Yeah, it could mean that, but it almost looks like a projection um, backwards because you loop the sixes the one way and it keeps going around. So is that like an end date for something? What would that be? Five hundred less fifty, two thousand four fifty, something like that. Is that right? Who knows? We could go all day long looking at this, I but I think, I think we should. 
Probably, All these yeah. green butters coming through the microphone. <laughs> All right. But so I, I did smooth. want I did want to have folks take a look at that anyway, just to um, see how clearly the six 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 appears. And, yeah. Um, they're making no bones about the Saturn symbolism. Nope. Uh, they're putting it right there in your face. All right. So let's get to this digital transformation powering the Great Reset. And mind you, this was released in July two thousand twenty. And as you listen to this and you hear how in depth it is. Uh, <laughs> This was obviously written way before the beer bug stuff started around March. So anyway. Oh, by the way, the person that I read the uh, initial uh, piece from is a nice German, oldest German fellow named Klaus Schwab. And he's uh, contributed quite a bit to this. And he's part of the World Economic Forum. So executive summary. The beer bug has irrevocably changed our world. During the beer bug, we have had to learn how to live differently, to learn, work, socialize, shop, worship, and collaborate in different ways. And many of us are doing all this virtually. The pandemic is therefore a watershed moment for the digital transformation of business. The rules for success have changed and are ever more reliant on harnessing the power of digital models to create new value and experiences. Digital transformation is not a new endeavor for business, though prior attempts have often failed to realize its full potential. What is new in the wake of the beer bug is that this is a shared opportunity for leaders. Successful <laughs> leaders will now seize the opportunity to advance a new trajectory for digital transformation that aligns with the changing role of business to be a powerful enabler of long-term value creation for all of its stakeholders. Hi, I'm Bill Gates. <laughs> Can't let yeah. a pan demon go to waste. No, yeah. that's the thing. And just kind of uh, to reiterate exactly what it is they're saying here. Uh, they're saying they plan on completely transforming the entire business model of the world. Everything is going digital. It's all going online. And basically what this is designed to do is drive all small businesses out of business and leave it only open for the big businesses, the, you know, the ones that could afford to set up this, uh, you know, fourth industrial revolution. The essential uh, businesses. Right, the essential businesses. This fourth industrial revolution infrastructure. The, the ones that afford this. That That's it, basically, because uh, they're talking about transforming the entire way business is done. Everything from top to bottom, digitally, including digital currency. And that's going to be a big push along with this. And they're using this whole... Uh, you know, quote unquote, pandemic as the justification to do this. And it's all farcical and nonsensical and based on fraud. And it's criminal. Let's be yeah. honest about it. It's criminal. And these people need to be held uh, accountable for their actions in a new Nuremberg type trial. Agreed. And uh, I, I and there... think we need to start holding their feet to the fire for this. We need to stand up uh, in mass as, you know, human beings and say we're not going to tolerate it anymore. Nobody asked you to do this. We don't want this. We don't you want keep it. pushing this on us, and it's all based on fraud. It's not going to stand. It's a built-in police system, too. It's not bad enough that they'll kill off lots of business to allow the Home Depots to go on into the future. But the system itself is the highway that all commerce will have to go across, which is why I've con consistently said cryptocurrency represents the biggest loss of human freedom in the history of the world that I'm aware of this is why like when I went up to set up my site PayPal wouldn't allow me to do transactions unless I proved I had a, a business account which was a certain number up front 
so they can identify it as a business account. And that's just a small identifier. What's going on now is the banks have just been handed power to turn down any transaction that they don't want to accept the risk for. That's all wire transfers, all transactions. Happens on my site. So for 5 to $7 to be a member of my site, the banks regularly turn down credit card, people trying to become subs with a credit card stating they're not really willing to take the risk. So this is just control at the highest level. What it basically means is not only did we bump everyone out of business and the few we did let into business, in order for you to ever become business online, you'll have to have the right things like that secret number eight you'll need in your business account to even open up anything online and a secret handshake that every transaction will be allowed to occur or it won't. This will be policing at the ultimate I mean, there is no no more powerful policing you could imagine. Everything done in real time by AI, and anyone who's not got the handshake can't possibly succeed. You don't get to play. Yeah, that's right. And and to be you know again uh, as clear as we can be here. Uh, again, in this document, he, they put this out there, and again using their nomenclature, digital transformation in in the new normal, the seven dimensions. I mean, they're going right at it. <laughs> they they can't help themselves. They got, they got seven seven dimensions. Um, mm, so uh, yeah, uh, cabal anybody? Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's this is a fascinating fascinating series of documents. And again, uh, let's continue. I guess continue going. But uh, I highly recommend that people take a take a at least a cursory read of this on their own. Uh, your eyes will open. Um, <laughs> it's it's remarkable how open they're not even about subtle. They're not no, even no, no. subtlety's over. They, I'm telling you, they think they played their trump card, and now they're just biding their time because go look at what, wow, you, what got you, it, you got it all in there. You got Trump and Biden in the same of, breath. Of course, because it's it's what they're doing. When yes. you play your trump card in a game, it has a meaning. It trumps all other things. Mm -hmm. After the fact, you kick back and smoke your cigar because you've played your trump card. Nothing can beat the trump card. Um, that's, I think, what they think. Um, but the truth of it is, is without... A, a fast track to all this technology to help them police all the lies. There's two options here. They continue to cover every other lie, like the moonshot or JFK or any other lie we could point to that takes endless man hours and every year they got to do some crap to maintain the lie or they get the iron shackles on the world, at which point no lie matters anymore because everyone's wearing iron shackles. We don't give a damn if you know we lied about everything. You're, you're wearing our handcuffs now. Um, it's one of those certainly things. wearing the face and diapers exactly um, and what's bold now is the idea that people are willing to give up their uh, they're, they're using the old task permission idea willing to give up their freedoms for this big thing we want uh, it's a it's, sacrifice bro don't forget that that's a key term that they yeah. use in this is yeah, well they're stealing everyone's breath as we speak so you know sacrificing yep. your spirit to yeah. uh, the pan demon it, 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 every every spell requires a sacrifice. So, yep, er, and they played their trump card. They're biding their time, and they're singing a song of six pence the whole, whole way down. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> ashes, ashes, we all fall down. If they don't get their iron shackles on quick enough, this whole house of cards come crumbling down a lot sooner. It's gonna sooner or later. Um, but if they can't get their big lockdown kind of nightmarish regime that Winston was familiar with in that book, 
um, then then this whole thing comes crumbling. And I would imagine they're willing to risk or venture quite a bit to try to get there. Yeah. And I mean, it does seem like they think they're holding all the cards. They've got the they've got the economic juice. No, nobody can buy or sell <clears throat> to quote um, some scripture there without it. Right. And so um, you don't get to play. As Crow said, uh, if you if you don't have the right number or the the secret handshake, um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Di- digital currency is the linchpin. If they yep. get any modicum of success implementing the so-called digital dollar, then you might as well just start buffing your wrists and sizing up for some nice cuffs. Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much. I keep saying, don't threaten me with a good time because I'm not going uh, gently into that good night. I promise. Yeah, I think you're missing the point. They're going to take your green butter too, dude. I know. No, I, no, I, not I, the and you will butter. enter into a long, dark tea time of the soul. Indeed. Not the green butter. Not no. the green butter. All right, let's continue on here. This paper explores the increasing yet evolving role and relevance of digital transformation in business today. It offers an opening frame for a multi-year cross-industry program to co-create the new playbooks for executive decision-making and action in a post-pandemic business normal. It presents three opportunities for digitally enabled corporate leadership to support the great reset of our economies and societies. Number one, transform into a digital business across seven dimensions. New value creation, digital at the core business models, intelligent and agile operating models, localized and resilient supply chains, real-time decisions at the edge, data-driven investment decisions, and augmented talent. What, what, is that, what does any of that crap even mean? Plugged I mean, in and turned on and tuned in. I just, come on, man. This is their seven-dimension seven business models. I mean, some of that is decipherable. Most of it is just poppycock. Yeah, it's just gobbledygook. Well, uh, what is Dave and data-driven investment decision? What the hell does that even possibly it mean? Means, it, it means AI will make the decisions. Exactly. That's what exactly. So real-time decisions at the edge. At the edge of what? Well, and they, at they the came... At the edge of a sword. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of a bullet gun. Yeah, it's just code for augmented intelligence. Exactly. And they said, I mean, they were very clear about their playbook, right? They're, they're telling you uh, about how it's going and they're going to guide the digital transformation journey. Uh, they're, again, making no bones about it. This is AI, as brazen, as, brazen be, as you get. It'll be their Achilles heel because if it gets implemented for any length of time, they won't be able to function without it, which means if a system fails, they'll be completely lost. Uh, that's why they're, you know, uh, investing uh, a lot of efforts and time and money into hardening uh, the the system, the whole idea of uh, you know with this new technology they're putting out, they're trying to make it like EMP proof for the most part. Uh, it's it's a technology that's called hardened technology, and they've been working on this. They won't do that with our power grid right now because I'm sure they plan on you know using that uh, at some point yep, as an excuse. Sweep everybody into the city. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right, right. In order to, uh, you know, herd everybody into the the inner cities, like the the big cities, states that they plan on uh, putting together. So uh, they have they they have the means to do this. Like they could really, if if they really wanted to, they have the means to go out and upgrade the power grid so that we wouldn't have that EMP type of scenario being a possible thing. But yet they won't because you know that doesn't fall in line with what they want. 
But uh, here, here's the big thing, and it, it's a really simple solution for all of us. And it's it's not really a desirable solution for people at this point, but all we really need to do is get rid of your stupid cell phone, first of all, and, you know, unplug the TV and unplug the computer for a while. <laughs> That's all. If, if we do that, if nobody has the stupid cell phone, doesn't agree to all this, uh, you know, online business, like paying your bills online, if we go back to the old way of doing things and, uh, you know, just use your standard mail or pay your bills in person, that kind of thing, you, you know, by check or cash or however you want to do it. If, if we go to that kind of a system, uh, go back a couple of decades here, that would solve this problem real fast. And that's the thing. They've got people so hooked on this technology at this point. And like you said, uh, the problem will be, especially once they get the AI running things, they won't know how to do anything without it. I see, I no. see this with this younger generation today. They, they can't even do basic math without a calculator. Yeah. No. Like, seriously, and they, they, the way they teach them the math anymore is convoluted, confusing, and stupid. Let's, let's be honest about it. This common core math, I, I have my kids at home now, homeschooling them, and the things they're teaching them are retarded. Like, seriously. <laughs> Especially yeah, when it comes pathetic. to math. And I tell my kids that, and I show them the right way to do things. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's crazy. Uh, I understand, like, some of what they're trying to do with it, like, the, the you know, the the part that they're trying to the, the methodology they're trying to impart to people but the way they go about it is stupid and it's designed to dumb people down so that's where we're at i, I mean the thing is if, if we throw out all the technology and go back just a couple steps like you know to the way things were like 40 years ago or something i think we would be much better off in the long term and you know it's I, i'm not a luddite by any stretch of the imagination but i only see trouble coming from these you know new technologies coming up the way that they're pushing this all right number two empower all stakeholders employees consumers suppliers partners and government and society number three affect systems change through digitally enabled collaboration models that correct market failures hmm they you know, this term stakeholders was, it's been around a while, but it came to prominence in the supposed green movement. Uh, when I was in San Diego, still working in the corporate world, I was hope, helping launch solar divisions. It was a time when all energy was going to be monitored and reduced and everything was going to be smart and everything was going to be green. But the main buzzword throughout all of it was how do we make the stakeholders happy? And that preceded what I did uh, in the solar industry, which was basically taken over by China. And, and solar was taken over by China over the course of five years, two, 2005 to 2010. By the time 2010 had come, they already owned it if they wanted it. Uh, Germany had a small stake in wind. Um, but that's this whole stakeholder idea was brought to the fore, as far as I can tell, through the supposed green ideas, the Earth Day surrounding stuff which jason and i have covered earth day is a construct put together by tavistock mm -hmm. and that's been, uh, that, that got launched in the 70s i remember that as a kid was it so i was thinking it was it, the early 80s i don't recall it was, the, it was the it was the early 70s and they uh, initially called it ecology uh, that was the first word that they put on it. And even as a kid, I recognized it. As, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and that was even before Greenpeace and all that. They they had initially um, started, and you could tell it was uh, propaganda um, from the outset. And um, 
Yeah, it's just no, noting here. Uh, again, this is one of their. Uh, they just come right out and say this stuff. Where they're one of their key levers for change is to shape a new narrative. <laughs> they just they can't help themselves, man. They're probably paying some fiction writers to be on staff, right? Yeah, it's uh, and you know showcasing lighthouse examples. It is. Um, uh, they they really can't help themselves in the language that they they use. All right. In 2020 and beyond, the Accelerating Digital Transformation Program, facilitated by the World Economic Forum, will support conversations and collaborations among the members of a growing community of leaders who are redefining digital business transformation as an engine of future value for both their organizations and society. All right. So that takes care of the opening statements. The Rising Urgency of Digital Transformation. For consumers, employees, and partners, the shift in behavior has been swift and dramatic. Since the onset of the beer bug crisis, internet usage has risen by 70%. The use of communications apps have doubled, and some video streaming services have seen daily usage rise 20-fold. Never have we been so aware of our dependence on digital models, and we are not going back. With the power of digital is. technology so very visible, leading companies must now use technology to transform business itself to deliver for a broader set of stakeholders. All right, so they're uh, they're making a plain and clear there, aren't they? <laughs> Yipper, never before have we been so aware of our dependence on digital models, and we are not going back. Um, that's what you guys think. <laughs> uh, I think when push comes to shove, uh, if if it starts getting really bad, like the way, you know, uh, we're seeing that it's going and enough people wake up in mass, uh, I think we are going back. I, I think people are going to ditch the technology and, uh, you know, return back to some older ways of doing things. Um, it may not be the younger generation because obviously they won't know any better because they've been brought up with this technology. But any of us that are old enough to remember a time before the Internet know uh, – you know what the world operated and ran without all of this stuff and it didn't need all of this stuff and we all managed just fine uh so you, you know i mean they're really pushing the edge with these technological breakthroughs but uh, what it ultimately comes down to is they want direct access to your brain and that's what they're aiming for with this and that's what they're eventually going to get with it uh, it all ties into transhumanism, just like everything else. I keep saying it. I sound like a broken record, and I sound like a nut job sometimes, but that is the big granddaddy of all uh, conspiracies going on right now in the world today. It's transhumanism. That's the agenda. And, the and it's, in, and it's in here. It's in this document. It's, uh, again, very, very thinly veiled, but it's it's clearly in here. Uh, they, um, You'll get to it, um, but they, they absolutely uh, do talk about integration uh, with uh, technology and uh, humans. Uh, it is um, – and, and I just noticed you mentioned the edge. That's one of their, um, one of their bullets here is real-time decisions at the edge. <laughs> again, they just can't help it, man. <laughs> Yeah, it, for, they're killing me, right? It, it's like they just can't help themselves. Uh, even but, some of their puppets they put out in the entertainment, the Edge. Isn't yeah, that the uh, guitarist or bassist from YouTube? Yeah. YouTube? Oh, here it is, right here. Augmented talent. That's the way. Uh, that's the there way it word is. It. Augmented talent. That's what they're calling it. Nice. Yep. All right. The digital dividend is gigantic. 
Digital natives and companies that started early on, on their digital transformation journeys have often better withstood the current crisis and adapted faster to new human and societal needs. Even before the beer bug hit, digital leaders were seeing twice the revenue growth of laggards, a trend expected to accelerate. Some 40% of incumbent companies who pivoted to competing in new digital ways have achieved organic growth greater than 10% over the past three years. Only 30% of traditional incumbents have done the same. And the digital divide is gaping. When the beer bug hit, many disadvantaged communities, lower paid workers, and small businesses lacked the resources or capabilities to adjust to this new, more digitally demanding world. Oh, so it's their fault. It wasn't because government said you can't be open. It's your fault. It's by design. That's the why they did this this way, in order to crush the small businesses. That's what it's all about. They can't have small businesses running around making money and, you know, actually changing the world for the better. Uh, they need to have total, you know, top-down control of everything. And if you have entrepreneurs that are able to uh, innovate on their own and, and make money and changes in society on their own, and, you know, they have a hard time getting a hold on that. I mean, it's the same thing as like say a grassroots movement the same kind of thing if they have a grassroots movement going on uh people are becoming empowered they can't have that they have to try and seize down on that as quickly as they can frame it though so back in the day there was a time when an army or power in that way was going to hold sway then it became governments so you're always an insider so now it's commerce so that's the bottom line here commerce and corporation are seeking to become government, military, everything, everything, everything. And so if you want to be engaged in commerce, you've got to be accepted, handshaked in in some way. And so that's here they're stating 40 to 60 percent of all economies were small biz. And that's the very thing they just whacked. And by the way, it's already done. <laughs> this is not coming back. And if any of it does come back, it's because they're going to get handed money from a government to come back which means they're on the government tit. Um, so <laughs> frame it what it is. This is commerce. This is commerce gone as wild as you know a pack of dogs. Right, and being on the government tit is the worst place you could be, honestly. That's right. That's uh, right. So, and that's exactly where they want you. And that's oh, come on. Design. You don't want that universal basic income? Come oh, on. <laughs> they should just call it the government tit. You do what we say or you don't yeah. eat. You know, and the, for, and the, number, the numbers they're putting out, it's barely survival. Like it's just enough um, to, the, right. you know, you can't do anything else, but it's never enough, right? Well, to, wait, wait a minute. They even, for, for the 1200 or 1500 a month they're talking about, in many places, that means rent would have to go down by two-thirds. Oh, yeah. yeah again, people, oh, yeah. Never, yeah, it's you can't live enough, off of that. But you can't, you can't get anything else or they cut you off, right? And so there's no motivation to do, I mean, it's just, it, they, so, it's a boot on the neck. How many how many people listening got that email from Netflix offering you a free year of Netflix to stay home uh, because of the beer bug and watch Netflix? So I'll ask a simple question. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What, no, I didn't, not, I never not heard good. about that. And that was a, that was two weeks after they notified everyone that their prices were going up. So what kind of a business model gives away services for a year when business is the main concern? It's you know it's on the face well, of it. Again, what 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 are they? Uh, why do they give away flu shots? 
and in fact, uh, offer you uh, $20 in free groceries to get one. Again, if something is free, you are the product. Yeah. Well, we've been saying that forever. Well, as I keep saying, the product and they're putting a shelf life on you if you get that shot. Yeah. I mean, as I keep saying, the reason that the mice get caught in the trap is because they don't know why the cheese is free. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Job displacements caused by automation and the growing skills gap have heightened difficulties. Small businesses, which constitute 40 to 60% of national economies globally, have often had to confront limited access to digital connectivity or remote work, great reliance on cash-based transactions, and massive demand uncertainties caused by shifting consumer behavior. Well, I'll tell you what. what they seem to what do okay mean? to me when you're not fucking with them all the time. What does that mean? Shifting consumer behavior? What does that even mean? It, it means you can't go to work and earn money and buy things. That's what that means. <laughs> Is that, does it mean that? That's exactly what that means, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you don't have enough money to buy the things that you need because you can't go to work because you lost your job because of all this nonsense. And uh, to compound things even further, they're saying, uh, you know, small businesses, which constitute 40 to 60 percent of national economies, have had often had to confront limited access to digital connectivity or remote work. So the thing is, they're saying these businesses that uh, their business model doesn't really equate to a digital platform. They're, they're going under. And that's that's basically what it's saying, that they can't stay open because people are not physically able to go to them because of this stupid pandemic. Uh, so this is forcing the hand of these businesses to either adapt and go to a primarily digital model or, you know, Internet model or they're going under. And that's that's what the whole game is. It's to drive small businesses out. So the only ones that could stay open are the big box retailers and the people who got in early into the Internet game here uh, with having, you know, Internet uh, shopping and things like that. Your, your places like Amazon and uh, that kind of thing. So that's exactly what this is talking about. This is like I said, this is really insidious when you look at it. They're they're forcing people uh, into buying from only these select few companies because they're the only ones that could set up uh, this infrastructure for this this whole digital platform. And that's what's going on. They're forcing it to go digital. That's that's why they're pushing so hard. That's why they're going for this second lockdown and stuff now, too, because people are starting to get a little bit wiser about it and, and understand what's going on. And, you know, they're, they're not happy about their situation. So now they're going to buckle down and really hammer you hard. I don't know if you guys have been watching the media at all lately, but man, it's getting just ridiculous over the top with this whole second wave fear. Nonsense. Yeah, I, it was just, I mean, they're talking about something about other than ridiculous. the Joe Biden one. Yeah, I, I, um, I was just talking to my wife about that, that uh, how remarkable it is that they again, they announced um, the lockdowns prior uh, about mm, 14 to 18 days prior uh, to any reports coming out that, that the numbers were going up uh, right. again with with no evidence of it. So, I mean, you can even go back to the beginning, of course, where uh, Bill, Bill Gates and his uh, husband, Melinda, um, <laughs> said, well, the second wave will get their attention. Uh, so. Um, so, again, how, how do you how do you anticipate that? Right, like, that's the without thing. prior knowledge. And then it's, the other thing is they just talked up this whole thing about be, having shortages again of like toilet paper and stuff. And guess what? Now there's shortages of toilet paper and stuff. That's planning, folks. 
that is not your your average businesses or retailers uh, not properly planning for an influx of business. That's a supply chain issue. It and is that's a supply done, chain issue. In right, fact, I got I got an email from somebody who is in uh, logistics of a trucking company, uh, and they said specifically that uh, the toilet paper they noticed um, specifically that they uh, had held it. They it was being held at the manufacturer. Uh, it was not allowed to go. So right at the time when everybody was you know in a buying panic, buying it off the shelves. Um, they wouldn't allow them to ship it. So right. uh, they were creating uh, the issue. Yeah. And here's the thing. I know my, my brother-in-law works at Procter & Gamble, the Procter & Gamble plant, uh, right up here in um, where it, it's called Mahoopany, Pennsylvania. Um, it's Mahoopany. the na- Yes, the nation's largest manufacturing plant for Charmin toilet paper. He works there. They put this I know. I know that they're... They're, they're manufacturing more than ever. I mean, they're pumping out more product than ever up there, but yet you can't find any on the shelves in the stores today. Remarkably enough, it was Life fine. Problem. It was fine until the news decided to tell people, oh, people are panic buying again. And guess what? Then they caused the problem. People go out and panic buy, and then uh, somebody at the top of the supply chain structure says, hey, you know what? We're going to cap this at this today, at this production today, and we're going to... Uh, you know, hold off on, on these shipments and stuff like that. And then the stuff doesn't hit the store in real time. And it creates this uh, false ideology of this uh, uh, scarcity. It's your manufactured scarcity crisis. Once again, it's nonsense. It's all nonsense. The production power is there. People are working. It, it's not that, you know, they can't produce enough to keep up with demand because there's no more demand than there was before. People are still shopping and, you know, going out and buying their stuff like they normally have. And people, by and large, don't really panic buy something as stupid as paper products. But that's the yeah. thing. It, 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 see, this is a tool. This is a metric that they use. This is how they measure how much effect that their social engineering programming is having on people, is by using something like that as a measuring stick, as a gauge to see just how they could program the people into doing this. And it's working like a charm because you can't find the stuff on the store shelves and the people – uh, will just buy it whether they need it or not when they see it because they don't want to not have it and need it. So it, it's well, it's just ridiculous. The, the whole supposition of this document we're reading is a tell for anyone who can still think with a couple brain cells left. Why is any of this necessary if there's a sickness that's going to come and go and at some point you're going to go back to business as usual? This is written an about face to the idea that that could be possible. This is written with the idea that everything has changed now and we're never going back to what it was. So even the very existence of a document like this shows you the farce on the face of it. If there was a sickness, then there would be a shelf life for that sickness. And after the sickness was gone, people would go back to doing the things they ever did. This document is written to ensure that that never happens. Exactly, and I was that was exactly here. You got ahead of me, Crow, because that's exactly what I was going to point out before we close this, right? Is that you can clearly see that none of this has anything to do with actual health care of anybody. Right. Uh, it's all it, it is entirely about uh, control, power. Uh, yep, exactly, and uh, economy. Uh, it's all it's, it's all about that. In fact, you can just reverse engineer it and go. The reason for the introduction of the beer bug in the first place was to accomplish these goals, and they actually 
kind of don't uh, hide that fact. They, they do uh, say, oh, it, it provided an opportunity. Uh, but but certainly, again, if you were to consider this in any actual world, right, what what would you do? What would your response be to some healthcare uh, phenomenon, crisis, right? You would attack that and not go, oh, hey, this is a great opportunity to uh, change world finance, <laughs> right? That would, <laughs> That wouldn't be the well, last thing. It, it goes mind. to show the overwhelming power of, of media, even when people, a lot of people aren't buying into it. Uh, what's happened recently? Oh, well, they've shown that the Rothschilds own the patent, I don't know, some years ago on the on the vaccine or the shot or the test or something like that. Um, all these things, which are really undeniable, because that came from patent documents, um, which can't be fraudulent. Um, they're filed. They're listed. They are what they are. They're a record. Um you know, think about what's happened here. So all these things, people like you and I talking to show what a farce this is, and yet the sheer overwhelming reach of mass media is enough to keep the spell for now. Yeah, I mean, it is. I, that's why I just can't. I'm just so shocked that it is so clear that the numbers are fraudulent. They even tell you that they adjusted the numbers to include uh, people that uh, were presumed to have had it or um, they died with it rather than uh, from it and the flu numbers go i mean you it tanked you you can tell on the surface of it it's nonsense but people keep buying it uh, it is just an indication at how strong the hypnosis is they just cannot break free all right among the many trends that the beer bug has accelerated to stand out Calls are rising for companies to lead in addressing societal changes, challenges, and the marketplace is indicating that companies must adopt digital business models at their core to compete. Uh, who says that? What is with this societal changes thing that they keep pushing on? This sounds like a whole bunch of SJWs are screaming, pay attention to me and my colored hair. Can we have a list of the calls that are rising? Who's making those calls? <laughs> again, only the people at the top, the SJWs, again, are just a result of the uh, social programming, right? They've been socially yeah. engineered uh, to do that, uh, but nobody's actually – there's no need for any of this. It's all top-down. Every bit of this is top-down, uh, and, you know, again, empowered stakeholders, as they call it, that's the people who, who stand to benefit from it, which is only the people um, that are already in control. Uh, they make no bones about it. This is just ridiculous on the face of it. Calls are rising for companies to lead in addressing societal challenges. No, they're okay. not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Call the people, companies hotline. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I think all the CEOs of the big companies should solve all our problems. Exactly. Like, think about it. <laughs> yeah, man, I called Amazon today just going, hey, could you guys solve my problems? Uh, hey, guys, I have an issue. Could you help me? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like society. Can you guys fix it? Oh, come on. We well, need see, to do something that, about all of the inequality everywhere. Can you help us? <laughs> remember the tee-up from the uh, the pizza companies that were going to come fix the potholes? In your oh, neighborhood? right. Yeah. <laughs> now, 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 yeah. now it makes sense, doesn't it? Your neighborhood's going to take on the municipal responsibility of fixing. That there's one of the most insidious avenues of corporation can be seen in well actually family guy or one of those ones that makes funny they call it pizza monstrosity or pizza giant or overlord um they're right if you take a close look at the giant pizza companies uh you will see the heart of darkness hmm. before the beer bug hit 
the business landscape was already becoming more competitive and volatile. In the mid-20th century, the average Fortune 500 company lasted 75 years. Today, that average is 15 years, thanks to technology disruption. Digital leaders are rewriting the rules of competition, putting more companies' survival at risk while the pandemic adds further disruption and accentuates calls for a great reset of our economies and societies. Nobody's calling for it except you fuckers. The mm -hmm. time has come for companies to combine the two agendas. They must use digital business models and fourth industrial revolution technologies to transform their businesses and lead systems change at scale. Many are already advancing on this path. In May of 2020, a fortune survey found that roughly half of chief executive officers believe the crisis will accelerate the move towards stakeholder capitalism and 77% say it will force their companies to speed up their digital transformations. In other words, what? So you have to have less people who are quote unquote sick that aren't going to be able to show up? Bullshit. The, the big thing there is stakeholder capitalism. In other words, capitalism used to be driven for society or societal ideas, that's out the window. The stakeholders are the people like the board of directors and the people who own the buildings. Those are the stakeholders. Um, so stakeholder capitalism is basically just another way of saying the rich and powerful will now be the reason for capitalism. In other words, the customer doesn't matter dick. Right. And the, the customer is chattel to be controlled, and we don't. not only do we not need their money, they don't have enough money to make a difference. And the magical number, 77%, say it will force their companies to speed up their digital transformations. Mm -hmm. It's and amazing, isn't it? High in Zion recognition they, they They can't help themselves, can they? They just can't. No, they can't. Crow, would you like to explain your pizza company thing? Um, one of the cartoons that's from that same guy who makes all the cartoons. Seth MacFarlane. Uh, yeah, calls... There's a joke, a running joke that no one ever gets because it's not very often, where they call it Pizza Overlord. Um, what you'll find is the complicit nature of corporation at that size where you've got franchises all the way across the country. But these people are big deals, uh, the people who own these corporations. They're part of getting the marching orders out and setting the tone and the agenda, which is why I made the joke about them, Domino's fixing your potholes. That's not a joke. They actually said some contest, and if you win, we'll come fix the potholes in your neighborhood. This is the queue up for the agenda that we're talking about here. In other words, these guys are the stakeholders, but these conglomerates, or whatever you would call them, that's probably not the right word, are so massive, um, it's coast to coast. And the number of franchises, which, by the way, every list, everyone listening to this, there are certain legal minds that will tell you you are a franchise. I am a franchise. That's what our birth certificate made. Turned us into a franchise. Um, so now think of what they just said about stakeholder capitalism. If you're the franchise, you sure as hell ain't the stakeholder. Point is, is these are corporations that have gotten so big, they're nearly in every state and other countries, and they're bought in, and they show it all the time by pushing the agenda, helping to oh, you got to wear masks. Here, come to the curb for safe pickup. Look, all our people are wearing masks. And look, the day after this happened, all our commercial people had masks on. And we're going to take over the municipal duties. We'll come fix your streets because we don't need government anymore. Corporations your new government. Um, what I'm saying is if you take a close look at corporation of that size, uh, you will see uh, where we started to go south without realizing it. 
Who's, yeah. Who the hell's going to ever look at 31 flavors or a pizza joint? <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the thing is all better get on board with the agenda before pizza sends out for you. Someone just posted the pizza overlord thing and the thing I'm looking at, and you can see that the pizza is the head of the guy. He's kind of a Borg with a pizza cutter hand, but his head. Um, yeah. And by yeah. the way, when we when we were in doing Shoot the Moon NYC, uh, we all went back to the hotel. Everyone was starving. I think we ordered from uh, Domino's. It was, it was Domino's. I hadn't tasted that in years. It was, oh my God. It wasn't food. There was something really wrong. Dominators. Yeah. Dominus. Amid the uncertainty as to what behaviors and trends from the crisis will endure, this much is clear. Updating their business for a digital first world led by purpose is now an imperative for almost every company. Three opportunities for corporate leadership. As companies seize the opportunity to integrate purpose with profit and invest in digital transformation to help deliver on their purpose, leaders can use digital transformation to create value among three interrelated paths. First, transform business. Reorient digital transformation investments and initiatives to drive sustained long-term value for the company and beyond. Second, empower stakeholders. Use technology to respond to the needs and priorities of a broader set of stakeholders, including employees, consumers, partners, governments, and society. Number three, change systems. Create new collaboration and value creation models across ecosystems to address global challenges through new markets and enable systemic change. So let's ask a simple question here and point out an obvious fallacy. Empowering stakeholders does not include employees, consumers, partners, or society. Um, what's a stakeholder? It comes from back in the day when people were going to go claim, claim land. They would take a stake and jam it into the ground to claim that land. They were making a claim, which is what made them a stakeholder. So that's the misuse of the term, first of all. But let's ask a simple question. Why would all this big business, which I guess you got to assume is behind something like this, which we know it's really not, why would they give a damn whether their money was coming through the door and into a cash register or registering online? Why would they care? As long as they're making their coin, why would they care? And that is the biggest tell of all, because this is wholly about control to the point where they'll misuse a term like stakeholders. Stakeholders simply means the people who have a claim. And the only people who have a claim are the people with ownership. Okay, the breakdown. Transform business. Companies are estimated to have spent $1.2 trillion on digital transformation efforts in 2019, yet only 13% of leaders say their organizations are ready for the digital age. Companies can and must do better as clearly shown by the beer bugs combination of dramatic demand shocks and need to operate remotely. The shift to digital technologies must be structural, going beyond incremental efficiencies to transform operating and business models so that 
companies can continue to deliver for customers. The crisis obliges companies to redefine not just their operating models and value delivery to customers, but also their business models and implications to their cost or revenue structures. More and more voices are also calling for a new form of capitalism, one that produces macro outcomes that are better aligned with our human and environmental needs. Macro meaning large. The answer to these demands is to consciously shape new digital business models that deliver greater value to both shareholders and a wider set of stakeholders. To do so, companies will have to determine where new value exists, which business models will capture it, and which technologies will support the adaptability and resilience that these models require. They will have to use data to power better decision-making, optimize finance, and free up capacity for investment. Organizations will therefore have to reassess nearly every aspect of their business, guided by a clearly articulated vision. This section offers a path to execute that reassessment, create that vision, and guide the digital transformation journey. Digital transformation in the new normal, the seven dimensions. All right. Anybody want to comment on any of that stuff? Where's the barf bucket? (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, yeah, th- this is obscene. This is telling you in no uncertain terms that in order for your business to be able to continue yeah. into the future, you're going to have to take it digital. You're going to have to learn to operate remotely. Uh, you're going to have to use this technology-driven uh, kind kind of a, a model for it. Uh, it's going to be Internet-based. That's basically what they're saying here. All businesses are going to be primarily Internet-based. Oh, in and, fact, they, they put that in the conclusion on page 13. Uh, it says uh, that no one will be speaking of digital transformation because the term will become irrelevant. Non-digital businesses simply will not exist. They, they make that very clear. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There you go. That's actually what it's all about. That's why, uh, you know, you see um, huge numbers of small businesses closing in droves. They, they can't stay open because – they're not going to be able to because, well, let's just use the restaurant industry as an example, okay? Um, in uh, many states, what they've done is if you own a restaurant or operate a restaurant, you could only open at 25% capacity. Well, if you know anything about business, if you're taking away 75% of my income, uh, I'm not going to be able to keep my business open. When you think about it from those terms, it's not even worth opening to get that 25% in because you're just barely, if you're even keeping your head above water, um, which you're not at 25% capacity, it's just not worth it. So it, it drives these businesses out of business. So the only way that they could counter that is to go take out only. And if they go take out only, then that largely ties into, uh, these different technologies because it's kind of a pain in the butt. If you just have, uh, the phone where you could call in your takeout order or whatever. So many of these larger chain restaurants have gone to digital platforms where they, they offer an app now. Do you have the app? If you have the app, you could order online right on the app and get discounts and you could actually pay, um, you know, with the app and, you know, have it all ready to go. And all you got to do is show up and pick up your takeout or better yet, all these new delivery services have popped up in the food industry, Uber Eats and, um, DoorDash and all these other ones have all showed up in many of these national retail chains, these restaurant chains um, now. 
So you could you could have it delivered right to you. You don't even have to leave your house. So this is the model that they're pushing the restaurant industry in particular into is this this takeout or delivery model. They all don't lo- all lost to set up too, right, Wayne? Remember remember the Absolutely. months before before the beer bug, uh, the whole push for Grubhub and all these things. That was a total uh, revenue loss model to implement up front. And actually, it was a guy who knows. I do know, and uh, that, that's that's the thing. It, you saw it coming. It's like you're yep. looking at this 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 thing, and you're thinking, why in the hell are are they going to do this? This is a loss leader. They're not. This is not a feasible uh, nor, nor option for most of these think places. About how, yeah, think about how not green it is, which is one of their big things now. So everything has to be delivered. So fuel has to be burned everywhere. All the crap you buy off Amazon, all the packaging, all the trucks, all the extra, extra everything to get it to you compared to when you just went to the store and picked up what you needed. Um, and from the restaurant side of things, I don't, I don't know, Wayne, what, what would you estimate? You know, some of these chains and franchises must have lost, I don't know, years of income during this well, shift. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive when it comes down to it. But uh, any type of a restaurant... Uh, that wasn't initially set up for a delivery type business. Uh, now all of a sudden, there's a means for a delivery type business for them, and uh, it's it's only these big chains because most of your mom and pop restaurants in the world, they're not usually set up for delivery unless it's like maybe a pizza place or something like that that kind of figures that into uh, their business model. But all of these basic restaurants, these mom and pop restaurants that have been around for you know decades that didn't have that kind of a business model for delivery they're they're kind of left hanging because they're the ones that are suffering for this oh you're you know you're you're shut down to 25% capacity and takeout only well if you're not primarily a restaurant that is a takeout model restaurant then you're you're going to suffer for that like in a big way and actually trying to convert to a takeout model from a sit down model that that's that's kind of uh, it's it's a, a loss leader up front. I mean, there's investment to be made in that if uh, you're not the type of a restaurant that does the kind of takeout thing. Uh, so it's it's really where a lot of these small businesses are, are suffering. And uh, 90%, 90% of all small restaurants in Pennsylvania will be out of business by the end of the year here. And that, that's a sad thing because they, they just can't stay open at 25% capacity. And... Uh, they're not set up for this type of a business model. So when you're talking about uh, it's these these big chain restaurants and stuff like that that have these options available and they've been setting this stuff up uh, over the course of the past year and a half, two years now with the delivery model and all of that using these companies like uh, the Uber Eats of the World and DoorDash and all of those setting up contracts with them uh, for, for these types of services where – you know, the, the, the restaurant itself doesn't uh, take on the extra cost of that. Now they're passing the cost of that on to the person that's actually doing the delivery service. Like the, the person's using their own car to do it, and they're just paying them pitlings to do it. Uh, so it, it's it's an interesting thing to look at. But you could see how this has been pre-echoed for a very long time. Because, honestly, there was no reason for a lot of these different big chain restaurants to set up delivery services. It just wasn't in their their wheelhouse it wasn't part of their business model and it was more of a hassle than anything for them and it was a loss leader up front because they weren't going to get much of that business 
But now you throw something like uh, the beer bug in the mix, all of a sudden, it's an actual feasible business model. And it's, it's something that's actually helping to sustain these larger businesses. And it's not helping the little guy. And that's the problem. It's, it's pushing them out of business. And you can see how this is geared towards the digital platform. Because in order to order through one of these delivery services, you have to have the app. And you have to use the app. And you have to pay already ahead to have it done. And more so, and moreover, Wayne, what it also does is it keeps people eating crappy food when you're stuck at home and they won't let you out. So instead of being able to get yeah. good food that you make yourself and actually have nutritional value, it keeps you addicted to the crappy junk food. While uh, you're it, tracked. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I was going to note, uh, again, it's all about uh, the perception, right? It's the same as, as uh, Crow was saying. You know, it's, it's the same as, uh, oh, you're helping the environment by having an electric car, right? Yet just to make one car battery, it requires, you know, to get the, enough lithium to do it uh, about moving about half a million tons of earth. <laughs> to get one car battery for a Tesla car. It's like, really? Uh, you, you're not doing any good. And, um, you know, all the energy that's required to charge those things, the carbon footprint, ridiculous, right, if you're worried about that. So, uh, again, it is all simply a, a narrative. And and as, uh, again, Wayne, uh, both Wayne and Crow said earlier, right, this shifts the burden to, to the people, right? It's all your fault. Not, not that the corporations had anything to do about it, right, by offering you uh, no choice other than, for example, uh, quote, fossil fuels, which aren't, right? By uh, when the uh, oil companies bought up the electric uh, trolleys in San Francisco, Seattle, and other major cities uh, in the 1920s uh, at the introduction of the automobile, uh, they said, oh, okay. So uh, the rubber the rubber companies and the oil companies got together, bought them all up, and shut them down so people would have to buy cars. <laughs> this has been going on over and over. It's yep. the same as giving you the two crappiest choices uh, to vote for, for for your leader. Right. Uh, it's like, oh, but you chose them. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't get you didn't give me any other choice. And do you like feces or do you like feces with sprinkles? Yeah. yeah do you like diarrhea <laughs> or do you? Yeah, it's like exactly. They're just collecting your tacit permission. Exactly. Basically. But if you think about what's going on, um, I've suspected for months now uh, that a big part of the setup was to destroy state government. Because now yeah. it can be shown without effort that not only did they. I don't even know what the word sedition, what, what's the right word, whatever it is, crimes that the highest crimes government can do, they've done it. They've broke their constitutions. They've violated rights. So anyone who ever wants to make a truthful call out can show that every state government has failed. Uh, meanwhile, we've got the Trump Biden clown show going on where they're just not quite sure what fraud might have happened. And they've got everyone looked at the voting, even though everybody knows voting doesn't seat president. So if there was fraud, it would have had to been in the Electoral College. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't um, matter. The point is, is everything's getting dismantled. When you go down a few rungs, you get to small business. All those small businesses that failed that were supporting families will have no other option but to cash the government check when it yep, comes. Exactly. That's the, exactly the purpose of all this. I mean, I was thinking about it. In fact, I told my wife the other day that, that uh, a few years ago when they made, um, you, you know, when they made uh, 
you know, basically they went from the medical to recreational marijuana here in Seattle. Um, and I had been providing for some of the dispensaries medibles. I'd been making, you know, green butter and making cookies and toffee and all sorts of stuff and providing it to them. And I had a pretty good side business going. I had a commercial kitchen in my home. And it was before everything went sideways. Uh, and a friend of mine who was a restaurateur moved here from Salt Lake. And we had talked about opening a really nice restaurant with, um, you know, went as soon as it became uh, recreational that we could do medic you know quote medicated because I can add it to just about anything I can make you know um, anything from creme brulee to you know you name it anything that you can do fat infusion and so we had talked about it and I was kind of disappointed that, that we didn't uh, and that was about five six years ago and it just you know it occurred to me that had we done it and invested all of our life savings into it and put in all the sweat equity for five years to make a restaurant work it would have shut down now and I would have I mean I would have been devastated whereas it is now you know the work that i do isn't isn't great but i'm still working um you know it occurred to me that you know you just you never know (laughs) which doors should open and which shouldn't but i i was very disappointed at the time that that i wasn't able to do that and now it's far better that didn't happen because it it would have absolutely gone away during the during this last year and that's the reality a lot of business owners are are sitting in today like seriously they they've put their sweat equity they've put years and years into it all of their their capital their investment and everything they've lost it all a lot of them have lost it all over this thing and it's all because of uh like crow said um this this whole concept this idea of uh invalidating state governments and that that's i, I totally see what crow's saying and i i totally see that being a thing because yeah. now the biden administration is talking about doing a six-week national lockdown. So this is kind of, uh, this this kind of spells out exactly what Crow's saying here. The, the whole premise behind this will be they'll come forward and say, well, we left it in charge of your state governments and your, your governors and stuff. They all failed at it miserably because all of us, you know, we had this second wave or whatever. So now we're going to take charge and we're going to do it the right way and we're going to lock everything down really draconian style for six weeks and then all all of a sudden everything on the other side of that will be golden again and And by the way that'll be their excuse for taking over not to really sidetrack things too much but just since you mentioned that with uh, biden making that uh, promise of the national lockdown uh, it is unprecedented that i have ever seen that first um, uh, he uh, has set up quote the office of the president-elect that's not a thing And it's a uh, it's the illegal uh, for mm-hmm. one, but has has in any history like again I was going to say in modern history, but I can't find any precedent for it uh, that a president elect has had anything to say about policy decisions until actually taking the oath of office. It is um, unprecedented and uh, r- remarkable uh, that they're that I mean they haven't even certified any of the state elections yet. <laughs> the only one declaring of a winner is the press. That's so, right. Uh, the, the fact that and the they're telling about um, everywhere. They're telling you over and yes. over and over and over and over again. But, Every single place they're telling you. Guys, guys, you, you're still making assumptions based on the polling numbers. That's what hasn't been. Well, I'm not making any assumptions. I'm just well, saying, I'm just that saying it's, it's, it's unprecedented that, that he's to know where 270 votes went. Right. Oh, I don't I don't trust any of it. I mean, to me, it's all nonsense. I'm just saying that the fact that he is uh, addressing policy issues uh, without having taken the oath of office and has claimed to be uh, the office of the president elect is 
<laughs> poppycock. What, what is that Jewish grandmother guy saying? New rules. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's my point, right? I, I don't put any validity in any of it other than to just – I just follow it and go, what is – it's remarkable. And people buy it. That's the – Oh, that's the crazy part to me is that they're jumping right along and people argue for it. Okay, well, see, new value. Heroin go for uh, from medicinal to uh, for pleasure use. <laughs> You'll know something's up. Oh, that just Oregon. happened in yeah. Oregon. Oregon legalized all drugs. <laughs> well, they decriminalized it, so it's they decriminalized. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. legalized, decriminalized. You know, yeah, I didn't even look into that. What exactly did they do? They decriminalized um, any small amounts of uh, pretty much all drugs. So heroin, cocaine, uh, DMT, uh, psilocybin, uh, you name it. Uh, if it's uh, under a certain amount, depending on what schedule it is, uh, they it's a ticket at most. And yeah, you get the opportunity to avoid the ticket by going to uh, drug treatment. So, uh, And what nonsense did they wrap this- up in, in whatever bill they passed with that? Uh, don't know, but one of the you know one of the things that I think uh, people are, probably aren't aware of if you don't you know live in one of these states is that uh, for example California right is is a big you know blue liberal state except for that's not really true um, only you know in population the high population centers the big cities are but most of the state geographically is very far right. The same is true, if, for example, in Washington State. The only really liberal um, outpost is the city of Seattle primarily and Olympia. The rest of the state, which comprises most of it and about 45 percent of the population, <laughs> is very hardcore right, as is, uh, again, the state of uh, Oregon. Very, very, very right wing. Uh, I mean, really right wing in every place but Portland. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, but all that aside, we would just like to take a moment just to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. They did. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they surrendered. Mission accomplished. <laughs> well, move on here. And just, just to put too fine a point on it again, just keep in mind that the war on drugs, the war on poverty, the war on COVID really translates to a war on you. That's because you were an enemy combatant. That's correct. But the last well, time a war was declared exactly was World War II. You know II. why the war of anything is about you. <laughs> exactly. Corporations well, have declared war on all of us. Indeed. New value from digital transformation. Successful companies are looking beyond linear value chains and industry boundaries to create a dynamic value map. They use technology to encourage collaboration and create shared value in broader digital ecosystems. Rather than facing well-defined value pools with homogenous competitors, these companies thrive in networked overlapping value pools with heterogeneous competitors. They invest in creating value that delivers for both the business and all its stakeholders. For instance, Pfizer is opening labs and R&D within its ecosystem, providing access to tools and publishing results to reimagine itself as an R&D platform company. It also probably wants to kill a whole lot of people. Gee, aren't they the one that just announced that their vaccine for COVID is 95% safe and effective? Oh, they, yeah, mm. they didn't say safe. They said effective. They didn't effective. say effective yes, at that's what, true. but they said effective. They, oh, they said it's very effective. <laughs> very effective at capturing the minds of the sheep. That's yes, true. exactly. Digital at the core business models. The shift is accelerating to digital at the core business models. Adaptive, data-led, asset light, and based on services rather than products. Instead of extending traditional models and channels such as 
brick and stores, while enabling digital channels, companies are orchestrating digitally enabled platforms or marketplaces. Uh, yeah, you know what? I used to work for Guitar Center, and they were, they've been pushing that nonsense for years. Well, we know we don't have the guitar anybody wants to try out in the store, but uh, just sell it to them on .com anyway. Well, most people want you want to tell you to piss off in that case. Hewlett Packard Enterprise has accelerated its strategic pivot to become an edge-to-cloud platform-as-a-service company, responding to the clear shift in customer preferences away from buying and operating IT to consuming IT infrastructure and capabilities as a service. Ping An, headquartered in China, expanded and transformed from being an insurance company into managing five digital ecosystems in finance, property, automotive, healthcare, and smart city services, serving more than half a billion online customers. What's a smart city? I'm out right there. I'm out right there. What's what's a smart city? Does that exist yet? (laughs) A smart city. They have smart city services. It's an insurance company. That should give people a clue right there. An insurance company, and all of a sudden, they're having say in finance, property, automotive, healthcare, healthcare, hello, and smart city services. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's well, concerning, it, right it there. It just occurred to me this edge nonsense they're putting around. Yep. Um, I just realized with that, that's about the Internet of Things. That's about using data at source, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so edge that to that put yep. right. So that that's the Internet of Things, which includes human beings, by the way. Right. Absolutely. It's all about uh, taking your real-time data and yep. uh, patterning services particular to you to your real-time data and, uh, you know, achieving some kind of a value from you that way. Uh, that That's what it's about. And, well, uh, we a- are AI looking... anyhow, because it's on the right. fly, right? So they're yeah. looking at how many times you've had Burger King this week to make that decision. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing. When you look at this insurance company heading this up, with these five digital ecosystems, finance, there's your banking, property, that's like the stuff that you own, all of your, your property. I mean, automotive, there's your car, healthcare, that's you, and smart city services, and that's tracking all of that and what you're doing with all of that. There it is. It's all wrapped up in one, and this is your insurance company. So they could uh, they could charge you for this, and you know you'll you'll pay your premium, and your premium could go up if you're a bad boy and you ate Burger King like six times this week or something. Um, that it, that's exactly what we're talking about, and you can see it. It's all right in there uh, when it comes down to it. Yeah, and uh, just to point it out that uh, anytime they say something smart, you'd have to be dumb to use it. <laughs> first time I ever saw it was during the first Gulf War when I was a Marine, and they were going to show you a smart bombs. Smart bombs, yeah. <laughs> they exactly. showed you the same two videos over and over and over of a camera supposedly going into a building. Yep. It was all. I remember that very, very clearly, Crow. Yeah, exactly. But now they've got the smart city, the smart car, a smart toaster, the smart fridge, uh, smart television. And uh, again, if you uh, if you buy into it, that will make you dumb. So there you go. All right. Intelligent, agile operations to respond quickly to supply and demand shifts across different geographies. Operating models must become intelligent, cyber resilient 
agile, and free from functional silos, with humans working with artificial <laughs> intelligence across the enterprise. Companies will need to match their organizational structure to the technology transition. By 2021, cloud data centers will process 94% of workload and computing, supporting the pivot to digital business models, and 80% of emerging technologies will have foundations in AI. A large consumer and packaged goods company is replacing 90% of its field sales force its field sales force with digital and remote interactions. Supported by data-driven insights from the back end and a digital platform on the front end, the expectation is to triple consumer engagement and double workforce pr productivity. Let, let's let's point a thing here out. So basically what they're claiming here is, so we used to have these salespeople that went out and got us customers, but now it's all going online. Here's another big fallacy about this whole thing. There's a problem with search engines. There are so many websites that there is no fair way and there never will be any fair way to give a search return. Um, so basically what's going on here is, is this is also recognized that if you want to capture the search engines without them openly being one-sided or letting people pay to play, which they're already doing anyhow, you basically need a hell of a lot less providers for any given service in any given field. In other words, if you got 20 million Hong Kong tailors how many of those guys will ever get a relevant search return? But on the other hand, if you got one really big Hong Kong tailor, he get all the search returns he wants. That's part of what's being addressed here. Um, and by the way, firsthand experience, uh, when they took out Crow 777 on YouTube, um, they put an algorithm in that scrubbed search returns from roughly 16 to 20 million down to 2,000 when the site came back. So not only is this actively going to skew to the Home Depots and the Amazons when you go to do a search of any kind, um, I mean, you can see where all this goes. Everyone else is locked out by algorithm. Right, and you don't even have your, uh, you know, your, your your great salesman out there uh, trying to, you know, sell something to everybody else. Hey, would you like to buy a monkey? That kind of thing. You don't have that guy that's going around, that charismatic guy going no, around they're, they're selling fired. your product. They're yeah, they're, they they're don't have the a job tit. anymore. Yep, they're on the these guys, tit. many salesmen could make six figures easy, uh, you know, if they're good at their job. So I mean, that's a big savings for companies right there, long term too. So that's a desirable thing for a lot of these companies to do. Well, it also shows you the nature of business because those sales forces were based on relationships. That also leaves the equation. Precisely, and that's part of what's going on today. That's why we're, and you know, six feet apart. Society, I think. Yeah, six yeah. feet apart, and wearing diapers on our faces. So that takes away that uh, relationship thing, and that's exactly what they want. Everybody understands, right? Dead people go six feet below, and they don't breathe. So right now, they're just queuing everyone up. The six feet is horizontal instead of vertical. They'll shift it at the right time, but the breath is being blocked at the same time. You're the Walking Dead. If you see another zombie movie and don't get, you're the butt of the joke. You're kind of missing the joke. Localized, resilient supply chains. Just in time and low cost is no longer good enough. The threat of disruption requires companies to reintegrate local supply chains with a view to resilience and agility, as well as improved speed to customers. This shift must maintain efficiency while paying ever greater attention to ethics and transparency. Digital tra digital digitalization offers visibility of the supply chain to enable real-time, data-backed decisions to seamlessly shift operations as needed. Okay. 
Real-time decisions at the edge. Decisions made based on historical data and traditional forecasting models are too slow. 63% of executives cite slow decision-making as a barrier to agility. <laughs> Future decisions will increasingly be made at the edge by frontline employees who are close to consumers and distributed across partners and automated machines. Granular, real-time data and predictive forecasting will enable intelligent decisions at the edge to deliver personalized services and forge new collaborations. It also requires that every bit of data that you create in the course of a lifetime is collected and data mined for any of this to be usable or worthwhile. Just so you know, basically what this is telling you, the modicum of freedom or privacy you think you have, that's got to go away. At the edge being the robust term here. Yep. <laughs> the the anti-fragile uh, term. What's and, that uh, YouTube guy <clears throat> that fakes like he plays guitar? I wonder if he's in on this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's got a real nice fuzz box, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Augmented talent. To support digital operating models, most companies will need rapid upskilling to prepare for closer collaboration between humans and smart machines and an elastic workforce. By 2022, 42% of the core skills needed to perform most jobs are expected to change, while 54% of employees will need reskilling. Over half your workforce don't know what they're doing. Reskilling, I reskilling. love that term. Yeah, that's... That's a concern. Uh, that's going to be uh, a, a major deal. thing coming up. Yeah, I noted that term as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it. If over half of your workforce doesn't know what they're doing, that's a major problem, isn't it? So <laughs> that's and just replace them with automated systems because it's all going to be digital anyway. Yep. All you need to do is be a consumer, and we'll give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of ching that universal basic income because it's just basic. That's all you need is the basic. <laughs> or as Klaus says, uh, who's a big deal on this, uh, that you will own nothing and you will be happy. We're going to yep. tell you you're happy. There's there's actually several articles I've seen about that now talking about, uh, what is it, in 2025 or 2035? 2030. Yeah, he is says it 2030? 2030? Yeah, he says you will own nothing and you will be happy. You will be happy. Yeah, you'll be happy to own nothing because guess what? The big corporation's going to own everything. They own you, so you know. But you'll be happy. You'll be you'll be a happy little slave because they'll they'll give you some pittance here and there. Here's your basic universal income. Uh, go go watch Netflix now. You know that kind of thing. Principles to guide the digital transformation journey. No single path can ensure success, but these 11 principles, commonly applied by leading organizations, can help most companies succeed in the seven dimensions of digital transformation. 1. Be clear on purpose. Align leadership to a well-defined North Star to guide difficult trade-offs among stakeholder interests. Two. I see that they just went and leveraged the sky clock there for this too, didn't they? Well, you got to get your symbolism. Two, embed digital in every function. Make digital integral to corporate strategy and ways of working with cross-functional teams driving implementation. And what have they been doing this whole time? Trying to get an entire Internet of Things with a 5G network or more, tying it all together. Three, merge innovation and efficiency. Consider technology as both a short-term cost-cutting measure and a long-term investment in new value. Four, integrate value and purpose. 
embed purpose in business strategy to help create new markets and value propositions. Five, advance with agile interactive roadmaps. Retain the flexibility to pivot during your transformation. Define both important waves, major evolutions towards your target future state, and stepping stones, tactical near-term actions. That's a very warlike sounding thing. Six, Gee, I wonder why. Tactical. <laughs> Combine short-term and long-term strategy. Apply scenario planning that considers changes over different time horizons, building in optionality and agility. Seven. Like, like Event 201. Like Event 201 in Agenda 2030. Build an entrepreneurial culture. Create a workforce that is willing to innovate and to fail fast if needed, supported by agile spaces and incubators for disruptive innovation. What if, You know, they keep saying agile. What the hell, man? That's another robust term that they're using in this document. Robust. <laughs> Agile and to the edge. You That's know what, what we want to be. This, this thing literally sounds like uh, like the nonsense that I would get in Guitar Center, just like like corporate whack-off stuff. It's like sit it, it here. Is, it's corporate gobbledygook. That's yeah, what, like this is literally patent, everybody pat yourselves on the back and, and, and touch each other where they pee kind of stuff. You know, it's like it, everything's wonderful and here's how you do it. Isn't this wonderful? Everybody clap for everybody. Yeah, it is exactly um, just you know. Again, it, it's it, it could it could have literally been written uh, by an AI gobbledygook uh, corporate speak generator with um, with these exceptions. Basically, what they're saying, and, and uh, I'm hope you'll get to the conclusion on page thirteen because it, it really just lays it out. The whole purpose of this document, uh, just beyond all the gobbledygook, is to say we're going to digitize everything. Small business is going away. We are in control. Uh, you will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Uh, we are the Borg. Uh, that's <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. Well, we don't have much further to go, so we'll get through this. Decision. Doesn't that basically mean poor people don't matter? Yep. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. This you are non-essential. Like, this yep. sounds like a corporate board meeting. Um, I've always said uh, business meetings are very important because it just goes to show just how many people a business could operate without. So, <laughs> well, they're telling you. That's been always my take on what business means. You're, you're very agile when you've got no one in the way. Pretty much. Right at the edge. Upskill executives. Augment and continuously update the digital capabilities of corporate boards and executive teams. How about you fire most of those cocksuckers? Uh, okay. Invest in technology for the long run. Balance short-term pressures against the future value to be gained through investments, guided by your vision and focused on business outcomes. Next, be determined with technology adoption. Develop shared visions, coordinated delivery frameworks, and institutional determination to overcome rigid departmental divisions and resistance to change, building the new processes, behaviors, and norms that digital transformation requires. And the last one, adopt new metrics. Consider metrics such as digital capabilities acquired or improvements in customer experience to measure success. Or you can just do what Bill Gates does and just change everything to match whatever the hell he wants it to be. You, you know what movie basically verbatim expresses what's in this document? Um, what's it called? Powerball. Old 70s movie where they play this violent ball in like a roller ring. Roller ball. Roller, roller ball. ball. Yeah. Go watch the movie Rollerball. It encapsulate exactly uh, where where this document would like to be. That life that they express, how everyone's under contract and you're traded and moved. The only people that matter are the executives. 
Um, and it's all run by a computer, which ends up getting attacked in the end. But go watch Rollerball. It is verbatim what's been expressed here. Okay, next. Opportunity number two, empower the stakeholders. The beer bug has made it clearer than ever that companies must serve all of their stakeholders, including employees, consumers, partners, governments, and society. As the new normal presents different stakeholder groups with opportunities and challenges, digital technology can help companies to contribute to their success. Companies can thus put into practice stakeholder principles in the beer bug era as they recover and rebuild from the crisis. Let's just make this really clear. This was a manufactured crisis. So anything you suggest just adds to the bullshit pile. Employees saving and creating jobs. Massive job losses of up to 183 million could sweep the globe in 2020, making reskilling or redeployment at scale necessary in the very near term. Digital transformation plans can support flexible and remote working options, offer new employee health propositions and assurances, redeploy, reskill and support, and mobilize talent for new and shared business value creation. Consumers, new health and ESG concerns. The beer bug has led consumers to seek expanded health and safety measures, including more digital and low to no contact purchases. A healthy configuration is now the top configure, yeah, consideration for Chinese car purchasers, well above, so cited by 69%, well above comfort, 56%, and price, 51%. Many consumers are also looking for sustainability, trusted local brands, and ethical business practices. Digital business models and strategies such as as a service, along with platforms and ecosystem collaborations, can offer personalized, unified, and convenient experiences throughout new channels. As digital interactions with consumers grow, companies must take proactive steps to protect their privacy and security and sustain their trust. Suppliers and partners meeting financial pressures, lockdowns, border restrictions, and a sharp economic downturn have hit suppliers and partners hard, causing job losses and sharp financial pressures. Technologies such as blockchain Artificial intelligence and robotics can enable new, flexible, efficient, and transparent supply chain partnerships that deliver on shifting customer expectations. Supply chain masters have achieved more than two-thirds of their 13% average revenue growth through collaboration, innovation, and data-driven insight technologies. Digital technology can also support companies as they help suppliers and partners with altered payment terms, access to better intelligence and capabilities, and reallocation of materials and talent. Society and government, well-being and the recovery. The beer bug has highlighted the failure of many societies to offer their populations access to healthcare, education, employment, digital connectivity, and affordable housing. The crisis has also raised pressure on companies to solve these problems. 74% of employees expect their chief executive officers to explain what their companies have done to help society. Digital <laughs> technology can help. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to laugh at that. 74% of employees expect their chief executive officers to explain what their companies have done to help society. I don't. I don't think everybody so. works for Lucasfilm. No, uh, they, nobody cares what their friggin' CEO at the company they work. No, for. they're just all jealous and they think that they make too much guy. money. No, 
they just want to know when they're going to get paid. That's this is such pretty much it. Yeah, where's my paycheck? That's what I'm concerned with. I don't care what you're doing to make society better. Give me my paycheck. Yes, I, I love the term that they use here: a dislocative shock. <laughs> the fuck, man. Oh, Digital oh, technology can help companies close these gaps, whether through virtual medicine, digital platforms, or AI to boost data analytics and scale-up efforts. Evidence suggests that effective stakeholder engagement leads to superior financial performance. In 2019, on average, 60% of ESG investment funds reported higher returns than conventional funds. All right. Opportunity three. How does that help a part, the average person put food on their table? Yeah, they're <laughs> not even talking about that. They don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Opportunity uh, yeah, you, three. Change the systems. So we got this, and then we got the, the conclusion. So we're, we'll, we'll make it. We'll get through this. Yeah, you got you to hit that conclusion for sure. Digital technology can spark new collaboration models, ones with the power to transform age-old systems, invert systematic market failures, and address global challenges. Operating at scale with precision and with each ecosystem collaborator playing a different yet important role, these new digital collaboration models can shift paradigms and deliver value for all. Companies are increasingly advancing such digital platform and collaboration models, contributing to systems change while delivering value for their businesses. One, empowering small businesses. Small businesses constitute 40 to 60% of GDP in most countries, yet many are cut off from the digital economy. Only 20% of European SMEs, for example, are digitalized. Innovative partnerships among tech companies, banks, governments, and education providers can accelerate digital transformation for small businesses. The result can be a virtuous cycle of enhanced labor productivity and innovation, rejuvenated local communities, and strengthened social cohesion. Man, they were really on about this social crap. Reimagining health systems. Healthcare costs typically rise at double the rate of GDP growth, with up to $1 trillion wasted each year in the United States alone, and outcomes that vary significantly across hospitals, countries, and regions. Digital technology can support a shift to value-based healthcare, where providers are paid for outcomes rather than services. When traditional health system actors and digital companies collaborate, actors, huh? They can enable open data standards and new technologies such as natural language processing, AI, and blockchain. The result can be seamless sharing of medical records among providers and the use of data analytics for better real-time decisions. Oh, you didn't get your vaccine. Go away. That's what I just read. Three, enabling the circular economy. The beer bug is forecast to cause a 7.5% drop in greenhouse gas emissions in 2020, but this improvement will likely vanish once the economy recovers. Businesses must move to sustainable circular business models that redefine traditional revenue and cost structures. Such models decouple economic value creation from resource consumption, extend product use and life cycles, reduce waste, and create new business value as much as $4.5 trillion by 2030. Interconnected data platforms enabled by digital collaboration between companies within and across industries enable these models through opportunities that include products as a service, on-demand access, and product sharing. All right. Let me go ahead and, and explain uh, what products as a service are. That would be rent-a-center, folks. You won't own anything, but you'll be happy. But you'll be happy. <laughs> It's a You'll have stuff, but it won't be yours. 
that because Aldous right. Huxley told you you would be. They love their servitude. My dear Gordon, when they, they ought do. not to. Indeed. By the way, I was curious. Uh, so, uh, how many times is Agile used in this document? Yeah, six. They they gotta get their numbers. In. How about at the edge? Did you look up? <laughs> That's in there quite a bit too. Yeah, as I'm, I, I was afraid to count digital, but um, how about the street with no name? Yeah, Edge <laughs> has Edge has eight uses, um, and uh, oh, digital has 182. So oh boy, <laughs> no, there there's the word of the day. <laughs> yeah. All right, the conclusion. In a few years, it is possible that no one will be speaking of digital transformation because the term will have become irrelevant. Non-digital businesses will simply not exist. To avoid becoming one of those dying businesses, organizations must embrace digital transformation now. Yet being digital at the core by itself is not enough. A company's success will also depend on its capacity to create societal as well as economic value and demonstrate purpose-led leadership. Digital technology offers this potential, new ways to create new value for all stakeholders while making business models more inclusive, sustainable, and trustworthy. There's those buzzwords again. To realize this potential, trustworthy. this yep, thing was exactly. not just written by, by like business people. It was written by their HR department, too. And it was Chevron. It was written by Tavistock. I mean, they're, yeah, again, they're they're pointing out that it's all about uh, you got to not only be digital, but you got to go along with the societal change. You must become a part of it, or you're done. We won't well, it's, it let says you, you can't, continue. You can't exist unless you show economic value and demonstrate. Wait for it. Purpose-led leadership. What's the absolutely. purpose? Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, mind pure. Exactly, and continue to uh, yeah. Th this whole page is is just. Un-fucking-believable. <laughs> yeah. To realize this potential, companies must move towards open collaboration models, combine goals in terms of value and purpose, and invest in culture and in new leadership capabilities. They must acquire new behaviors and capabilities to effectively interact and execute in ecosystems and deliver on new value. That sentence literally didn't say anything. Plus, there's no correct. such thing as a digital ecosystem, just to be clear. Just to be technical. <laughs> Put too fine a point on it. Yeah. <laughs> the result. Oh, but there will be. Doesn't exist. Oh, but, they, but they're going to say it does. Get, I detect a digital their, bird. When they get their augmented reality and virtual reality systems all set up, there will be. That will be an ecosystem of sorts then. It'll be sustainable and trustworthy and robust. <laughs> It'll definitely be robust. And probably anti-fragile, I would think. For sure. But don't be underbanked. No, don't want to do that. Then you might need reskilling. <laughs> or killing. Yeah. We'll, yes. Reese will kill you. The well, result. Going into the air age, it'll have to be helium-based, won't it? Then oh, our voices snap. will be really high. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing right. me. Quit smurfing around. Oh, dear. I, I know somebody who's getting tired. The result will be a digital intelligent enterprise, resilient, distributed, and adaptive to disruptive change. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't say agile as well. 
We're robust. Or robust. In the wake of the beer bug, chief executive officers and business leaders now have an opportunity. I knew they were going to say that. Now have an opportunity and a pressing need to consciously shape a new business normal that delivers inclusive and sustainable value for all stakeholders. You've said that like a hundred times. In 2020 and beyond, this community of leaders will continue to learn together and drive collaboration on these shared priorities. All right, let's let's do it. We're going to take stakeholders, put it in a search engine, take the top return for definition. A stakeholder in gambling, (laughs) an independent party (laughs) with whom each of those make a wager, deposits the money, or counters wagers. Number two is a person with an interest or a concern in something, especially in business. And there it is right there. But what this whole thing is talking about is the rent-a-center model of living, pretty much. Uh, you won't own anything. Basically, Everything will now. be sold to you as a service. Right. And that, that's oh. the thing. And you, will, you won't uh, own you know, anything, the, but you'll be happy. Right. You, will, you won't get any returns on anything that you do on any of your labor or anything. Well, the stakeholders will get that. Well, the whole thing about this is like right now we're living in rent center Nobody actually owns their car or their children, for that matter, in a court of law. Uh, you've registered them. You've got a certificate that says you can use them. So what this does is it flips it into the open. Um, it is rent center living. But one of the things people don't think about is what's built into that kind of a, an idea, a model, is the inability to transfer wealth from generation to generation. So you get two, three generations, which is what, 60 years by the way we mark it now, uh, and you will have absolutely no wealth transfer of any kind. Yeah, and uh, don't don't forget to uh, finish off there, um, Jason, with accelerating digital transformation. Uh, the the uh, summary there at the at the bottom of the conclusion that is uh, that's key. The forum is shaping a multi-year cross-industry program to use the current dislocative shock to economies and businesses to accelerate digital transformations that support the Great Reset. Key levers for change. There you go. (laughs) Shape a new narrative on the role of digital transformation in business and society. Two, co-create frameworks and guides to support new business approaches and actions. Three, facilitate initiatives, projects, and collaborations between business, industry, and society. And lastly, showcase lighthouse examples of digital-enabled and sustainable business models. Look at, look at the little image right below that shows the Alibaba hand-tracking mechanism. And actually, yep. I can read a little Mandarin. It says, uh, Chinese people never cuss. Also, also. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> but yes, they're, they're, they're spelling it right out here. To accelerate this, we're going to shape a new narrative. Uh, you only get to um, the ones that support the Great Recess are the only ones that get to play. Uh, you can have facilitate initiatives, projects, collaborations. Uh, society is a big one here and uh, showcase the lighthouse example. So and anybody else gets stepped on. They're, they're not they're not playing. We, we should talk about the one, the brave new world idea that has to come into this. Remember, what was the drug? Was it called Soma? I think it was called Soma. Soma. Yes. It was called Soma. Yeah, 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 and I remember that because there's actually a, a muscle relaxer. Some kind Soma of back, compound. Yeah, yeah. For, for back injuries a lot. But at some point, a drug like that has to be introduced. And you've got to wonder if that's part of this inoculation push. Um, all the things that imagined and not imagined 
that can be done with the inoculation. Um, by the way, Jason and I are about to have a person on trained in the medical field who was stunned to learn uh, in in their training to become a registered hospital worker um, that in the first 24 months of life the inoculation schedule is now 24 so basically a shot a month for the first two years of baby's That's life crazy. Mm. but you've got to imagine um, that the soma narrative enters this sometime you can see how the marijuana agenda went everybody knows that when it hit the ballot in California it should have been right there and then that it was legalized in some way for the first time. What actually happened is the Mormons crossed the border, dumped millions and millions, tied the gay agenda to it, and got it not to pass in California. It was then approved to pass in two places that end up mattering. One of them is in the neighborhoods of Detroit or in central Michigan there, and the other one is in Colorado, which will become the major purveyors probably in the long run um, there are other places that have emerged from marijuana, but you can see how the marijuana agenda goes hand in glove with what's happened to us here in 2020. So it will be interesting to see when the other drugs that fit the Soma description, in other words, you're just happy to be alive because there's more of this drug around because um, that's got to enter into this at some point. I right. would think so. Anybody got any we'd final like words? To thank the, we'd like to thank the Stewardship Board on Digital Economy and New Value Creation. I'd also like to <laughs> thank the uh, the letter J and the numbers 5 and 11. And 13. Okay. Can we thank <laughs> – maybe we should take a moment to thank the Digital Transformation CEO Champion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the I'd new like normal. I'd like to have a special shout-out for Pat Gelsinger, Chief Executive of VMware, Franz Van Houten, Chief Executive of – Royal Phillips, just not any old Phillips there. And by the way, Phillips horse. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. There's a whole list of the the uh, champions, the CEO champions, champions that helped put this together. Oh, Mary champions because they're winners. And Jefferson Hell, our James Coogler, Pizza. Chief Digital Officer of Merck. Mm -hmm. Our sponsors, Pizza Overlord, and the word <laughs> robust <laughs> and agile. Today's show was brought to you by the words robust and agile and pizza overlords. Pizza overlords. Stay on the edge, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay for your whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> by the way, you only get to rent that seat. Oh, man. Oh, God. All right, so that's going to do it for us for this week. Who wants to talk about things and stuff that's coming up? Things and stuff. Things, okay. things and stuff. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got to say. Uh, Rose Triple Seven and I back in the morning with more poppycock. Uh, there's plenty of it. Poppycock? So we, we, it's a it's never ending flow of poppycock. So poppycock. That's, uh, again, early on the West Coast, six a.m. and uh, nine a.m. on the East Coast at Rose Triple Seven Two Point Zero per poppycock. Wayne Aloysius McCroy, what would you like to say? I would like to first of all congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs <laughs> once again. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Mission there accomplished. you go. Um, but at any rate, uh, I just posted a uh, a new video on my channel, Alchemical Tech Revolution. Was it two days ago now? Uh, talking about a uh, a document from Amnesty International, talking about torture techniques and how we're being Ooh. subjected to it right now with this whole fear bug nonsense going on, if people want to check that out. 
So that's posted on on my channel there. Uh, of course, my new book is out. It's been uh, doing pretty well on the uh, on the charts there. So I'd like to thank people for supporting me in that way. Uh, I've got other projects coming up here in the near future that I'll be working on. So just keep your eyes open. And as always, here every Wednesday night. With so more did, robust, so more did the robust show we, conversations. Yeah, did the show we did help bump that book? Oh, sure did. Yeah, always does. Well, we'll have to do it again. Um, oh, I guess it's my turn. It's 11.03. I got an hour to go. That's uh, right. Jason and I are releasing episode 217 tonight with Dylan Sicoccio, who's written some books. Um, Spirit and actually, World. He, well, he's written some fiction as well. I noticed some other stuff he's written. But the Spirit World series, there's three of them. Uh, anyone would do well to read those books because it offers your mind a helpful way to think about things you probably don't think about. In other words, how to deal with language and words uh, and other things. We open up the episode uh, where I just flat out test them. You can ask Jason. None of this was set up in advance. I told him I'm going to give you some scripture. You tell me what time of the year we're in. And he hit all three of them. Um, there was no setup, and I did that just to prove um, that there's a lot to know uh, that's beyond the surface narrative that people have been fooled into accepting as the whole of what's what's available to be known. But that'll go out at midnight, and by the way, first hour will run on YouTube. We're kind of iffy, but we're going to do it anyhow and see what happens. All right, and after that, we have Mr. Mark Passio returning to... Mm. have another great conversation with us because Mark is awesome. Check him out at whatonearthishappening.com. We discussed in the first hour, uh, let's see, we did Anarchy, and then hour two, we discussed the realities of Satanism. Four pillars of Satanism from a man who was on the inside at one point. So it's not not made up nonsense. Right, and and that's exactly what we got out of the way was what's, what's the poppycock and what is not. I see Rose there. I know Rose. I'm like another seven or eight behind now. Hopefully tomorrow I'll get on. Oh, wait a minute. We're recording tomorrow. Hopefully sometime soon I'll catch up on transcript. Is it not tomorrow? Rose, are we recording tomorrow? We are recording tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I thought. So transcripts as soon as I can. All right. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next week.